The clock is now running on the Playbook Podcast, the podcast where you take a deeper dive into the game of business, leadership, teamwork, character, the things that drive your motivation and build dedication. When you get a good look at the game plan of great business leaders, you start to formulate your own playbook and your own rise to the top. Make your next play your best play. And now, here are today's game captains, Glenn Amorell and Andy Phillips. Let's go! And welcome back to the Playbook Podcast. Andy Phillips joining me as always is Glenn Amorell. Glenn, how you doing? I'm doing great, Andy. This is uh, this is a good one because this is not only a person that we have such high respect for, a uh, great leader, great in the business world, but something that we work with directly. So that's it's exciting to be able to uh, do this. So without further ado, if you want to bring in the guest, I'm uh, excited sure. to kick this one off. Well, uh, today we have from East Coast Risk Management, we have um, Aaron Black, who is the Director of uh, Business Development. Uh, welcome to the show, Aaron. Hey, thanks, Glenn. And Andy, appreciate the opportunity to be here. Yeah, so, um, you know, we work very closely with you folks because it's all about, um, you know, it's a, about business, essentially. And, uh, you know, I love your tagline, um, which is um, protecting and improving your bottom line. And that's the uh, the message that we try to get through to our um, our clients that we want to work with, understand that philosophy. Can you expand a little bit on what, what that means, um, protecting and improving your bottom line? How do you go about that? Sure. Um, you know, we do a lot of services in risk management and those services, uh, really, there's three core services that include safety and prevention, um, claims management and human resources consulting. Uh, we also do a lot on the DOT, fleet safety compliance side of things. So it's really looking in the best interest of the companies that we work with, our clients to help improve their overall risk profile, thereby improving their bottom line results. Um, you know, everything from managing the experience mod on the workers' compensation side of things, driving that down, the costs associated with that, the impact that they have, um, that it has on the premium, but also potentially the impact that it has on a company's ability to work for a particular customer. So, you know, those are very impactful things. And essentially, we become part of our client staff to help them manage these aspects of their business. Excellent. Now, I was doing some research and you're coming up here, I believe, in April on your 13th year with East Coast Risk Management. Talk to me a little bit about where has the company itself changed where from when you started, where has it maybe diversified itself? Where has it set itself apart? You think from anyone else who does that, what East Coast does, what, what, what are some differences maybe in the evolution of East Coast risk management since your time 13 years ago when you started? Yeah. Yeah. Andy, that's a great question. Um, you know, one thing is growth. Certainly um, we were a fairly small organization when I first started and, and we're up over 60 employees now. Um, one of the things I think, well, there are several things. Um, there are a lot of safety consulting companies out there. I'll start with this comment that are very focused on compliance and OSHA compliance and really aren't tying the insurance piece into the conversation and, and what that impact has on a business overall. So we've adapted to the industry and in helping to not only look at compliance issues, but also prevention and very much a hands-on support. Um, 
type of organization. Uh, one of the areas over the last 13 years that we've expanded dramatically in is our human resources services. When I first started here, we had one um, HR professional on our staff. We now have a staff of about eight, I think eight um, HR professionals and two of which are attorneys. So that's an area that has um, certainly expanded. And again, that was due to client needs and, and, and agency needs that we work with all the time. Um, and the last thing I would say from a change standpoint, we were all always very much um, heavily focused on the workers' compensation uh, workers' compensation side of the business as it uh, as it relates to insurance. But we've expanded um, tremendously into the other lines from a claims management standpoint with auto liability, general liability, and property claims management. Um, so we, we've expanded there. And then I'd say the last thing, um, as the industry has continued to evolve and change from an insurance standpoint, if we look at all the lines of commercial insurance, auto liability has been one of those that has seen a tremendous change in a hardened market. Um, underwriters are taking a much closer look at auto liability risks. Um, so we have... Um, expanded our resources around fleet safety, DOT compliance, and helping to improve clients' risks, um, their risk profiles in those areas. So, um, you know, I, I'd say we, we try not to be all things to all people, and there are certain things that we just, we just don't do and we're not experts in. Um, but when we can and we see an opportunity to help our clients and our agency partners um, we're going to expand our resources and our expertise in those areas to respond. Fantastic. Excellent. Um, you know, one of the things that I know, you know, as the company's uh, growing, um, you know, the, the safety and the risk management is obvious, you know, it's like, you got to um, improve your safety and, and things like that. But, but really um, sometimes what lacks is on the claim side, you know, and, and um, you know, a, a business owner will think, well, you know, that's what the uh, insurance carrier is going to do. They're going to handle the claim. Why is it so important, especially, uh, you know, we've done it on the, a lot of, we've partnered with you on the workers' compensation side. Why is it so important to have an advocate like you on the claim side? Well, I think it's, it's a number of different things, Glenn. One of the, one of the things that I've experienced out throughout my career, um, been in the industry and the risk management and safety for probably about 22 years, 23 years now. And I used to work for a large insurance company for about five years of my career. And, you know, the carriers, some do a better job than others. And I think that they do try to, to do things to the best ability that they can with the allotment of time that they have from an adjuster standpoint. But it's really being that claim advocate and helping the client to manage the claim at a very high level and not just um, completing a first report of injury, submitting a claim and getting a claim number and putting it in a file and, and then kind of washing your hands of it. So it's a very proactive when it is a reactive surface because something has happened, but we manage it very proactively from a worker's compensation standpoint. Um, that includes our uh, ability and, and working very closely with the, the doctors and the clinics to help uh, understand what the treatment plan is for an employee, what their opportunity is to bring them back to work in a transitional duty capacity, 
and working towards getting those people back to work. Um, the other thing that we often run into and that we do a lot in, and again, if, if somebody's not really paying close attention to it, a claim may get settled and paid out and, and that's it. But if a third party is involved, um, we, you know, we're going to chase down and, and look at those opportunities for subrogation to recover uh, money. Uh, and a prime example of that is, is the auto liability and workers' comp and how they kind of are two things that happen simultaneously. Mm-hmm. You know, if an employee is injured in an auto accident, while they're in the course of scope of employment, as you guys know, um, that injury, the primary coverage for that is workers' compensation. So, you know, workers' compensation pays Mm -hmm. the medical expenses and they pay the indemnity, which is the wage portion of the claim. Um, And that third party may have been at fault. If we don't segregate that loss back to that third party and recover the money, it's going to have a negative impact on on our experience. It's going to drive our costs up. And we have actually gone back and had made recoveries and are able to go back to the rating bureaus to get the mod recalculated for the three years that it, that claim was on there. Um, so, I mean, that's a long answer, but it, the, it's really well, you know, a hands-on approach. Right, and one of the things that, um, it's really a win for everybody um, because, you know, the, the claims adjusters for the insurance carriers have so many open claims, you're helping them save money, close claims um, quicker and uh, more efficiently. Um, you're saving the customer money. So it's it's really a, a, an amazing service because you do want to be um, proactive, but when the claim comes down the pike, you need to react to it uh, properly and efficiently. And that's, I think, where you really make a huge difference on the, on the bottom line. It's a great answer. I agree. Thank you, Glenn. The other part of that, one other thing I didn't mention, it ties in with what we do when we're working with a client um, and we're doing safety and claims management is, um, you know, really honing in on accident investigations Mm, and looking at what happened, why did it happen and what we can do to prevent it from happening again. And that's not just filling out that first report of injury. It's really drilling down on those things so that we could prevent reoccurrence and learn from um, an incident that did occur. Fantastic. So I got to ask COVID-19, I imagine your HR hotline, your couple attorneys, you in general, just from maybe a work comp questions. I can imagine that your phones didn't stop ringing during that time. And maybe still are based on, you know, Hey, is there coverage for, you know, COVID-19 in certain areas, how do we, should we go about filing a claim and see just to make sure it's filed on time? How did that all go down? Because I imagine in your business, you guys are always looking a step ahead, always ready for, I mean, you're looking for any risk possible, but kind of like all of us, I'm imagining that COVID-19 maybe slipped through the cracks in terms of being ready for it on your side. How did you guys really go about that and either from the hr standpoint from the claim standpoint or all the above yeah it's uh it's been a very dynamic situation that we've all everybody has dealt with right and it's one of those things too where it changes by the minute it changes by the day and uh what we have done is help our clients and partners navigate through what the requirements are 
in in the current day and time that that is going on. Um, and it's everything from social distancing within within an organization or a company to to wearing masks and what you can and can do. Um, what about testing requirements and how that's handled? Uh, what's going to happen with the emergency temporary standard that was just sent to the Supreme Court and has been um, at a stay and it was voted on, I think it was last week, that it is not going to go into effect other than for medical uh, hospitals and, and such uh, for those employers of 100 more employees. Um, so it's navigating all those things from a claim standpoint. One of the things that we have done and working with our clients is if an incident of a positive test um, can be through contact tracing determined that it possibly did occur well in the course of employment um, to go ahead and report a claim, put the carrier on notice. Um, and, and, you know, I've seen very little of any kind of cost associated with it or impact, um, but it's protecting yourself from that standpoint. The other part of it is what the rating bureaus done has the workers' compensation rating bureaus, and I'm using that as a plural, beyond Pennsylvania, you have the NCCI for its um, classification ratings. Um, they have throughout the entire country, any claims resulting from COVID are excluded in the calculation of the experience mod. So we have actually done work on that to consult with our clients in that regard. Um, we've dealt with some situations of, of um, OSHA complaints as it relates to COVID in the workplace. We've dealt with cases of whistleblower um, notifications, and we've been successful in, in, in helping our clients um, win those cases, let's say. And, uh, and it continues to be an area of focus. Our HR team as you mentioned, we do have two attorneys on our staff have been very integral in helping our clients navigate what is going on from one day to the next. Our safety group has been very involved in that as well. And then as, as we mentioned a little bit on the claim. So it's really hit all of our, our service areas. Um, we, we, are, we are helping and have helped employers write COVID plans um, to meet client requirements as well as their own requirements. So it's been a um, it's it's been an interesting ride, so to speak. Um, not been the most pleasant thing for anybody. Yeah, uh, but but we're getting through it. Yeah, and I, I I from I mean you guys definitely, and even from you know our situation, you know we're, with us. I remember it was it felt weird initially being the person that people came in for to for advice in that situation because <laughs> yeah, right. there was. It was such an unknown that there was almost that uncomfortable feeling like you're coming to me for advice and I'm just learning about it like you, but then we find answers and we just, you know, we contact you guys to, you know, find out ways that, you know, the proper way to say things. So anyways, I don't want to drag it down with any COVID talk. I want to keep this thing alive, but you guys are at the forefront uh, with what you do. So it was a good, I thought it was a needed question. So we are at halftime though. Okay. And uh, as we talked about before, halftime is not about business it's not going to be about east coast risk management it's going to be about aaron black things you like your dislikes scenarios and just uh, kind of just peel the curtain back let people know who you are a little bit uh under the surface so 
with that being said, I, I usually do the 10 questions. I'm going to only do eight, though. I'm going to let Glenn think of the last two. So, Glenn, on the spot, you're thinking right now, okay? Uh-oh. You're probably going <laughs> to steal them. I know, I know uh, how you play. <laughs> so, question number one in the speed round, Aaron. I see the Steelers helmet in the uh, background. There we go. I knew it. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was yep. waiting for that. Are you ready for the end of the Roethlisberger era, or were you – one of the, or were you just hoping, I don't care how he's playing. Let's just squeeze out as much time as we can. I, you know, I think I've embraced it. Honestly, that um, last game, you know, where it was the last game at Heinz field potentially for him. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you could have wrote a better ending to that game and his ability to, you know, because of what our defense did get back on the field to be able to take the knee. Um, and, and, you know, I think that the Steeler nation and the Steeler fans have embraced it as well. Um, you know, as far as the playoffs go this year and, and the wild card, obviously that didn't really work out for us, but, um, I think that he has had a wonderful career here. And, um, I think that most fans have embraced him going out and, and the way I look at it, even though we didn't take another ring and we only made it to the wild card, um, it was a it was a, a good season for him. And no doubt, it was a good long career. I don't think a lot of the pundits on TV had them making the playoffs. So the fact that he was able to help get them there, like you said, using the defense a little bit. But the thing with Ben, and you looked at his numbers this year, and I don't want to ramble too much on a speed round, but you looked at his numbers this year. He may have lost a step in the first three quarters, but he was still elite and dynamic in the fourth quarter. When you look oh, yeah. at those numbers, you, oh, yeah. he, he still had that kind of not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was, the Toby Keith song. He still had a little bit of that. <laughs> that's, in that's perfect analogy there. Yeah, when, right. when it mattered. So yeah. speaking of music, who's your favorite band or musician of all time? Oh, geez, that's a that's a all time question. All time. And we Man. need one. There's there's no two or three. We're not we're not letting you out. Oh, geez. That's that's not a speed round question because that's something I'd have to give some thought to. Uh, geez, I mean, I, I I'm I'm going to sit here and ramble names, but um, all right, just give me how, one. How, of about, your how about genre? I'm a I'm a big country music uh, listener. Me too. Uh, Chris Stapleton, Eric Church. Yeah. You know, those are some of my ones that are up there on the list. But um, you go back into the you know mid '70s, early '80s. There's certainly a whole bunch of them there that um, I still listen to today. I love it. I'm still old school. My favorites are still Garth Brooks and George Strait. I say yeah. old school because I'm 30. So for me, that's old school. But yeah. besides yeah. the point, I get All a little right. Wheeling Jennings in me once in a while. And, and yeah, yeah. So Wheeling, Wheeling, Merle Haggard. Yeah, Merle Haggard. That's a little, little beyond mine. But um, yeah. yeah. So no, Hank Williams. Oof. All right. Uh, number three, if you could watch one movie for the rest of your life on only one movie, what would that movie be? You know, I was a really big fan of Armageddon. Okay. Uh, I, 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 I would probably watch that and I've watched it many, many times. Um, there's a, there's a lot of others that I've watched a lot, but, uh, you know, I think it was just a, it was a really good movie and, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. The true test of that question is simply, if you see it on TV, no matter how many times you see it, do you stop and finish wherever it's at? Cause to watch a movie, I mean, hundred times, yeah. you have to, like at least the nuances and pick things up almost every time. I know a lot of people who say the movie they can't turn off when they see it is um, uh, Shawshank Redemption because it's on AMC about every other week. 
<clears throat> and I know people that say I can't stop once it's on, but I can't believe that one didn't come to mind because that's at least probably the top, top one along with, um, okay. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a, a, an all time favorite of mine for sure. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, question number four, if you were not working for East coast and this isn't a competitor question, if you weren't even in your industry, what do you think you would have done? Probably worked with my hands. I would have been um, certainly in a blue collar environment. Um, I um, I enjoy it. I am fairly mechanically inclined, both from a engine and motor standpoint to home remodeling, building, construction. Um, and I spent the early part of my career in the commercial construction industry, but I also spent some time working for uh, my cousin who did home remodeling and everything from additions to building decks and, um, and anything in between siding, roofing, et cetera. So, uh, you know, and I think there's a lot of really good opportunities out there for the young generation to take that role and, and work in, in a craft. Um, and I, I, I really believe that's where I would be. And, okay. and, and if I wanted the dream job, the 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 professional uh, athlete career it would probably be on a motorcycle um racing in the dirt okay all right that, that's interesting so do you question number five now do you still ride if so what is your favorite scenery to ride i do still a dirt ride. track guy pardon me just like a dirt track or do you like going kind of off 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 road more off road. Um, do a little bit of motocross, but not that much. Um, my passion is really um, woods riding, and um, you know, probably my favorite time of the year to ride is in the fall. But um, I used to race a um, East Coast. Uh, it's called the Grand National Cross Country Series, and I used to race that up and down the East Coast. And we raced for three hours in the woods, and uh, it was grueling. It was hard, but um, it, it gets in your blood and. Uh, I had a big passion for that, but I haven't ridden as much in the last couple of years, but I uh, hope to get back on the bike again this year. And my son is riding now too. He's 16. Very cool. Um, he got his first motorcycle when he was four years old. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Question number six. I like asking this one. You're in, you're in Pittsburgh. So you might, you're in the Pittsburgh area. I should say you might come across this. If you looked out your window, drinking your coffee in the morning, you looked out your window and 10 feet from it was a bear. Would you, what would your first step be? Because I think you do all three, but what would your first step be? Would you try and get its attention, like knock and wave? Would you take a picture of it or would you just simply go hide? Oh, there's no doubt I'd take a picture of it and video it. That was exactly what I would have said initially um, to the response to that question without the choices. Um, I would not run and hide. Uh, and then I would be texting a whole bunch of my friends. Okay. Okay. I like it. What about uh, next question? What was your very first car that you owned? Your name, not one that you borrowed name on the title, your make model color. 1973 Volkswagen super beetle, um, that I purchased through repairing my neighbor's scout. Uh, and uh, the, that repair that we did, my brother and I, uh, got me the Volkswagen bug and then we restored it and rebuilt it, uh, put a ball hall kit on it. I don't know if the listeners know what ball hall is, but, uh, I don't, you know, uh, kind of make it look like a doom buggy, but it's still street legal and the motor is exposed in the back. And my wife okay. and I have been married here coming up on 22 years in November. 
we drove that car in our wedding and I forgot the color was yellow. <laughs> that's fantastic. So there's a lot of memories of that car then. Between sure fixing was. it, uh, that, that, that's awesome. Yeah. My last question here now is, if somebody was going to play you in a short series or a movie, who would you want to play you? It's a good question, I know. It is. It is. <laughs> um, to pass time, I'll let you think. Glenn, do you have anyone for yourself? For me, I'd say Kevin I'll James. I'll answer it because I'm a huge Yellowstone fan. For uh-huh. those listeners out there, I'm going to have to say Kevin Cosner. Oh, he's the best. I can see that. He, I think he could pull off Aaron Black. All right. <laughs> I like that. Oh, Yellowstone's the best. It is. I will say on a side note, I did. I was a little disappointed in season four. Yeah. Personally, I thought it dragged a little, but it always finished as well. So I, it, I was fine with it, that. It finished solid, but there were a couple episodes where I'd sit there and I would say, boy, this is a boring episode. There's nothing yeah. happening because, because there's so much expectation because of how great of a job they've done with that series. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I keep telling myself. And I'll be, uh, ready for season five when it comes. But Glenn, off to your two questions. All right. Um, if you were to um, pick one place in the world, and it, it could be even in the United States, that that you would definitely want to go before um, your end of days, where would that be? Alaska. Ah, what would you want nice. to do? Would you want to do like a, like a fishing trip or anything like that or just want to see the land? I would want to uh, possibly do a little bit of hunting and um, I would want to just spend several weeks there because I understand good luck trying to see anything in a week because it's so unbelievable. Right. Um, so I'd want to spend a few weeks out there. I've never been, excuse me, on a, on a cruise. If I were to do one, it would be in an out the Alaskan cruise and then spend time on land. Phenomenal. I'd love I'm to a big, too. um, I'm a big fun, fan of Mountain Men and those uh, Discovery Channel series. So um, that would be one place for sure. That's awesome. Awesome. And uh, I guess I'm going to steal an old one from you, Andy. <clears throat> if you were um, accused of a crime and you're on death row, falsely accused, um, what would be your last meal? Uh, steak and grilled shrimp for sure, or shrimp scampi. Little surf and None of those pesky vegetables, I take it. Nah, I'll do a little broccoli <laughs> just just to say I'd go out on a little healthy note. But um, I would. I would definitely... <laughs> why, right? Yeah, why bother? I right? need some uh, antioxidants. De- definitely do the surf and turf. There's no question about it. Yeah, with a, with a side of crab legs. But <laughs> all right, Glenn. Go. I'm just I'm looking at time here. We probably each got a question. One question left for the second half. So let's get into the second half, which is more like the second. You know third the way we just did this so we'll uh, or, or the third third but we'll get this thing rolling i have my last question for you aaron is going to be is there a specific type of claim that you see becoming more common that people should really start focusing on i know it's i'm putting you on the spot with this but is there a, a trend you're seeing that um it just keeps happening more and more uh claim wise that people need to maybe put more of an emphasis on focus on to try and prevent um, I'm going to give you the, the roundabout answer to that question only because I can't think of one off the top of my head that is some trend that we're seeing in the industry, whether it's auto or comp or any of the above. I think the biggest thing that every employer should be concerned with when it re- with regards to a claim is to really understand what happened and do a thorough investigation. Um, it can only help you and protect you. Certainly the auto, I mean, during COVID and in and, and that time, um, 
there were less vehicles on the road, but the severity of claims went up because, you know, there's less cars and then people were going faster and as a result created more severe claims. Makes sense. But honestly, there isn't one particular thing. And I I just kind of leave it on a consulting note that um, you need to really pay attention uh, when something does occur and, and really manage it at a a very hands-on level um, so that you can, get the best results, work with your carriers, work with the insurance adjusters and, and keep in contact with your employees if they're out of work. Uh, that's the probably one of the big things that we see and hear sometimes when a claimant um, is not, it's not going well and there's lack of communication and then somebody decides they want to get an attorney. Um, a lot of that's just because the employees sitting at home wondering, I don't even know what's going on here. Right. So communication is key. And I'm sorry, I wasn't able to just pinpoint one thing <laughs> there, Andy, but um, I gave you a broad answer to that question. No, and I, and you, and you, and you gave enough detail. No, I didn't, I, I put you on the spot there, so I wasn't expecting necessarily one, but that was a great answer. All right, Aaron, it seems like a, a lot of your focus is on auto. So I'm going to let you expand a little bit about that. Um, what are you doing um, on the, on the risk side to, um, hold down premiums. Um, I know you work with, um, you know, um, a, you know, a company to uh, provide um, MVRs and things like that on a regular basis to make sure that, you know, the the drivers are, you know, have a clean record and things like that. What are what are the things that you're doing um, to help on the auto side? Um, that's a great question, Glenn, and, and it is it is an area that we have had a very tremendous amount of focus on and have a a very high demand for um, help and need in that area. Uh, It's everything that you just mentioned with regard to MVRs. A lot of times I'll talk to a business owner or an employer and ask if they pull MVRs and I get usually one of two answers. And, and, And what I mean by pulling MVRs, we're talking about motor vehicle records. It's a history of your individual driving record. Yeah. Sometimes we gotta. Yeah. Say what we're talking about, right? Yeah, I just wanted to give a little, just a quick education on that acronym. Uh, but it's uh, the, one of two answers is one answer is the, the, the insurance company pulls those for us, uh, which is not necessarily true. They usually only pull a percentage. Hmm. If it's a smaller fleet, they may pull those individual drivers on the driver's list. But if it's larger, they may only be pulling 20%, 30% of those drivers. So we we set up and encourage the employers to pull MVRs. Traditionally, it's been you know the best um, sort of the traditional when uh, the frequency of um, of MVR pulling is at least once a year. We did partner with a company that does constant MVR monitoring, so you have real time data. Um, so that's that's one answer I get, uh, and and I'm hitting these couple of things, and then I'll talk a little bit more about what we're doing. Uh, the other answer I get is, yes, we pull MVRs on all of our drivers when they're hired and we pull them annually thereafter. And a follow-up question to that that I always ask is, what criteria do you have established to determine driver eligibility based on the MVRs that you're reviewing? And probably 99% of the time, there is no criteria established. Uh, that's a very important thing to establish criteria based on an MVR, whether or not an employee can drive a company vehicle if they don't meet that criteria. Um, it's very subjective if you don't have it. 
and it can get you in trouble from a hiring and firing standpoint that you maybe didn't hire this driver, this employee because of an MVR, but you hired an employee that had the same type of MVR uh, and let them drive. The other thing is really having formal programs. Um, and, and I always say this too, you could have the best program in the world, but if it's sitting on the shelf, it's not worth the paper it's written on. So have a formal fleet safety program that talks about drivers' responsibilities, um, what they need to do if they're involved in an accident, training employees on what they need to do to, to file you know, a report and do an investigation. Because usually when an accident occurs in an auto, it's that individual driver that's there. It's not a somebody from the office coming out to, to help do that. So having those formal procedures and training employees on those procedures. Uh, from a commercial fleet standpoint, when it comes to those vehicles that are classified as uh, you know, over certain classes that require a commercial motor uh, commercial driver's license, a CDL, uh, and those companies that have a DOT number, we're doing a lot in that area, looking at their safer scores, which is public information from the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. Um, and we look at those reports to see what their roadside inspections look like, speeding violations, uh, vehicle maintenance issues, driver issues, um, and helping to improve those numbers. And again, I mentioned the, the, it's kind of a phrase, if you will, or, or naming of a, a business when it comes to risk and improving a company's risk profile to thereby give the carriers information that they need to understand what that company is doing to manage the risks associated with their, with their fleet and auto. Um, we're doing a lot of on the DOT compliance side. Um, outside of the, in addition to the, the safer reports from the Federal Motor Carrier, we also subscribe to the Central Analysis Bureau, commonly referred to as CAB reports. Um, the insurance companies are looking at the same thing. The underwriters are looking at that. And a lot of them are making underwriting decisions to write or decline to write business simply based off of those. So we work very closely with our, our clients to improve those, to put a mitigation plan in place and give the ability for folks like yourself, Glenn and Andy, the ability to market that risk to, to the insurance marketplace um, to get them interested in writing that business. I love the detail on that answer. That was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Glenn, One other you... comment I, I will make, and I know we're short on time, Andy, and it just popped in my head, uh, was used to be if you had, and this is something that I think everybody could think about, the, the listeners, is if you had uh, GPS systems, uh, telematics with cameras and things like that in your vehicles, the carriers used to look at that as a very positive thing and you sort of got a gold star, right? Today, they're looking at it and they still look at it in a positive fashion with the exception of this. And we see it a lot. Companies invest a lot of money in telematic systems, cameras, getting driver um, reports on aggressive acceleration, braking, cornering, et cetera. If the employer isn't doing anything with that data, they're worse off than if they didn't have it at all. And we have seen carriers non-renew businesses because they looked at their telematics, saw all that data that was coming in and knew that they weren't doing anything with that. Oh, uh, wow. wow. <clears throat> yes. So that's, that's a big thing that is, is really changed 
again, from an underwriting perspective on the auto liability, because uh, like I said, I use that gold star, but um, they need to use it because if they're not, any lawyer could win a case with that data to support why, you know, maybe that employer was at fault in an accident. Right, exactly. Right. I never thought of that. Well, um, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, my name's Glenn Amarell. I'm Andy Phillips. Uh, until next time, what's in your playbook? I'd like to thank um, Aaron Black from East Coast Risk Management for joining us today. Thank you very much, Aaron. Appreciate yes, it. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Andy. Had a lot of fun here and um, look forward to listening to more and, and maybe participating again. Thank you.